BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Initiate. Broadcasting from the Rock and Roll Bomb Shelter. I'm ready. Surrounded by radioactive biscuits and the world-famous Rock Eyes. Located 40 feet beneath the radio station. It's the Big Fat American Rock Show. With your host, the Doc of Rock, the Professor, everyone's favorite mad music magician, crazy uncle, and your best friend in the whole wide world, Zach Martin. It's the Big Fat American Rock Show. I'm Zach Martin with my longtime friend, Liberty DeVito, who we've had as a guest in the past many times. One of the bands that I really love is Slim Kings. But we'll, we'll not only talk Slim Kings, We'll talk about your book, Life, Billy, and the Pursuit of Happiness, and what happened as a result of that. I think it's a very interesting story, uh, yeah. if we want to get into that. Before we started recording, we were just talking about Larry David episodes, <laughs> and it, it always feels like you and I are in one of those, especially when it comes to the COVID-19 shots and how some of our friends are just stretching the truth to get on the list. Right? Just a little bit. Stretching a it a little, little bit. bit. Yeah, just a wee bit, yeah. <laughs> Which I'm a cancer like, survivor. What? Yeah. I, I had skin cancer on the back of, on my back, a little dot. Well, you know, it was it was like it, it, it might have been. You know, like they weren't really sure. They just took it off. I, I, you know, that right, right. It turned out to be a wart. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, it's just one of those things. And, and I, I, I think in our area, believe it or not, I'm going to actually compliment the governor of New Jersey, who I think is doing a really pretty good job considering everything that we all had to go through. Yeah. Uh, as far as the vaccine distribution goes, I really honestly have no complaint. I mean, maybe there are people with complaints, but like I told you, I simply went online to the government site for New Jersey, clicked off three different boxes that yeah. were all true. And uh, it was on a Saturday night. And then uh, Sunday, the next day, I got an email telling me to report to a place on Monday morning at like nine o'clock in the morning. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> and then when I went in there, I felt bad because I was the youngest in the whole group. I mean, there yeah. were all these people like world war two vets and Korean vets and stuff <laughs> like that. I'm like, man, I'm I just, uh, you know, I'm not a first responder, but um, you know, I do work with people in general with compromised immune systems. You know, I have right. other things that I do besides radio. So I think that is the reason why I got bumped up and, want to keep people safe but moving right along yeah well uh, for my age you know i was legit man but i could yeah. not get an appointment here in new york forget about it where did you go i actually uh got up at six o'clock in the morning waited till seven till they opened up pressed the buttons and the woman said uh yeah i had to fill out all the forms you know like uh -huh. you talk that whole thing through and then she said uh 
are you available on uh, March 9th or whatever it was? And uh, I said, yeah, what time? She goes, 8.45? I said, yeah, where? She said, Roosevelt, uh, no, Aqueduct Raceway. Wow, okay. <laughs> so I placed a bet on the way in and uh, yeah, there you go. a couple bucks on that, the way out. <laughs> sounds very Scott Meany of you to do such. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, a lot of people probably will recognize you from the Billy Joel Band. Yes. And you're one of the... When I used to be on CBS FM, I think you heard me say this. Liberty DeVito and Billy Joel. I would always put Liberty DeVito first before <laughs> mentioning Billy Joel. Liberty DeVito, Billy Joel, uh, my life. Because I've always felt that the difference between uh, him making it and not making it, honest yeah. to God, was the drums. Like how you played the drums for his songs. And then when I got to know you... What really blew my mind, and I, I, I'm not sure that I heard this correctly, but somewhere in the back of my head, do, do you actually know how to read music? No. See, I knew that, right? Which is not, that's more impressive because you ha must have an amazing memory. And then you just, I, I don't, do you make it up as you go along? What's the process of playing drums on a song when you think about the Billy Joel catalog in particular? How did you come okay. up with something? Okay, we're thinking about the Billy Joel catalog in particular, whereas most guys who go into the studio that read music, they'll be handed a sheet of music that the, the artist wants them to, what we want them to play on the song. Right. I, when, when I walk into the studio, you know, it's funny. Let me start here. I did a, a drum camp in Nashville, Tennessee. Now, I was the, representing the rock, pop rock guy. Everybody else was country drummers. And we all said our thing about what it's like when we go in the studio. And the country guys were like, when we go into the studio, we, they make us listen to a demo that sounds like a complete record already. And they just say, we want you to copy this. We want it just like this, but we just want you to copy it. They write their charts. They have their own way of writing charts. And they play it. And they're done. I told them, I got up there and I told them, when I walk into the studio, the guy might have a song. He might have an idea for a song. So the song is actually built in the studio. Um, depending on how, what I'll play on the drums might trigger what he's thinking and where his chord changes are going to go. You know, because um, uh, the greatest thing was that, that me and Russell and Doug Stegmeyer were uh, a band before we were with Billy. So we could read each other's minds immediately. You know, where, where Billy would sit down and play piano and he'd be, uh, we, he'd be amazed at how fast we're following along with him, you know? So that's how the songs were put together. I would go with his lyric. I love lyrics, mm -hmm. you know, because I think uh, you, should, you should be able to know what the song is about and it will dictate what you're gonna um, play. You know, like I always say that I'm gonna play a song that's called I'll Love You Forever, a whole lot different than I'm gonna play a song that's called I Hate Your Guts So Much I'm gonna drive a car through the front of your parents' house. Yeah. You know, you're going to be a lot of double bass drum and China cymbals on that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm a, a, a songwriter's drummer because I like music, you know, I like words. And I love the drums, but I like music better. So that, that's, you know, I started yeah. loving music first. So I, I could just imagine Billy coming in there. You had to be a big shot. Last night, so much fun to be around. You had to have the white hot spotlight. Oh, your friends were so knocked out. I mean, 
was it sort of like that where he comes in? I got this idea for these lyrics that I wanted. It's called Big Shot, maybe. I don't know. Uh, what do you guys think? And then you went from there because the drumming on there really is is kicking, so to speak. That's say. funny. That song in particular, me and Doug went to Billy's house and set up a little set in, in his den or whatever we were in when he was living in Lloyd's Neck. And um, he, he was playing us this song called Big Shot. And we were like, I would be listening to, you know, you had to be a big shot. Uh, why don't we? But, but then you could hear, you had to have the past uh, last night. You had to be a big, you know, like it speeds up. Like he's like, he's really having a conversation with this person. Like you had to be a big shot. Did you, you know, and you had to have the last word last night, you know, like that kind of thing. And then he was playing it. And then he got to the party, went like, I got this part here. Uh, 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 I have to write lyrics to it. And we said, no, let Richie do a sax solo there. Let Richie do a sax solo. And he went, great. You just saved me a lot of time. Let's go. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Save those lyrics for another uh, yeah. another song. Yeah. Do, you, do you guys do that? Actually, well, you'll have some lyrical lines and go, you know what? It doesn't fit here. Let's save it for later. So yeah. then you can maybe put them on the side. Well, he always had uh, th this tape that was called... Uh, um, his uh, ideas, he never threw them away. Little uh, bits and pieces, he called them. Where he would, well, Uptown Girl is actually two or three of those bits and pieces that he had for years put together into one song. Oh, that's interesting. You know, I, yeah. that's cool how people do that. So if someone's watching or, or listening to us right now and they're a future songwriter, just think about that. You don't have to use those great lyrics in that particular song. You can move it and just put it in a pile, make a pile of notes and just make sure you don't lose them. Right. Like, like John and Paul and the, and the Beatles, you know, John had the whole beginning of uh, day in the life. I read the news today. Oh, hey, boy. oh boy. And then he goes, I'd love to turn you on. And then it was like, what are we going to do now? And Paul went, I got this little thing I've been working on. Woke up, fell out of bed. Yeah. They put them together. And, yeah. and then their medleys are basically all these little songs that were incomplete that they throw them all together. Exactly. Which is another brilliant thing. <laughs> exactly. Um, the the book the life billy and the pursuit of happiness i know it was it was really i guess something special to you on so many levels and i i knew that for many years you and billy weren't getting along for whatever that was right and then he ends up writing the preface of the book correct yes and, and yeah. you guys made peace so um take us a little bit i, I don't want to like drag up the past and all of those problems because it's really not worth it. But the whole idea of forgiveness and being able to come together and, and I guess focus on the more important things of how much a relationship means. I think that's the biggest lesson. So why don't you take us through what led you to interacting with Billy, whether it was picking up the call phone or how did that happen? Well, you know, it's funny that you say you don't want to dig up the past because of all the people in the world, you probably know about more about that past because we've talked about yes, it. Yes, and, and I know I don't you, mention it. And you've actually, uh, you know, uh, we've we've talked when I was an angry person, you know, about the whole thing. And so you've got more detail than most people have. Well, I, I've always kept it to myself because I felt like, you know, it's the way it's supposed to be. I would never right. like it. Right. That. Well, you know, it's funny, the, the Lords of 52nd Street, the band that we play with now, Richie Cannata and Russell Jabbers, when um, we were inducted into the Long Island Music Hall of Fame, and 
I refused to go. That's because it was back then when I was very angry at what, was, what had happened. But because Richie and Russell convinced me to go, um, I, I finally went. I didn't go to the sound check or anything like that. I just got up. They wanted us to play uh, a song or two. We ended up playing five. And Ron Delsner got inducted <laughs> the same. <laughs> now, there's a name. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Why wouldn't he mention his name to me? I start busting up laughing because I got, oh, my. <laughs> well, he was there, too. And he was like, of course, you know, blinking. And going, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, like, yeah, yeah. You, a you, guys, you guys, that's great. You guys should yeah. just do this, you know. You know. <laughs> so we talked about doing it. And as um, I, I had to review the songs again because I had never listened to them <laughs> after me and Billy had the falling out. So as I'm re reviewing the songs, I'm learning them, and I'm thinking about all the great times in the studio, live, and everything like that. So now we start playing. We start touring around the country. And so now I have the old guys back, Russell and Richie, right? We would have had Doug, but he passed away. Um, and we're playing the songs again. So I'm loving the songs again. The only thing that's really missing now is the guy that wrote them and the guy that I used to look at for 30 years every time we play it in the studio and live. So I, would, uh, I got a knee replacement, and uh, it was a really horrible thing. I don't know if you've ever done that, if you've got your knees replaced yet, but it was painful. And they give you, uh, you know, opiates and everything like that to take. So I was depressed, totally depressed, thought it was the end of Liberty DeVito as a drummer. And I thought, this is, this is crazy. I need to um, reestablish a friendship with some guy that we made music with uh, for so many years and, and touched so many people's lives with that music. So I wrote him an email and I said, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little disappointed the way it ended between us and, and accident. I said, if you want to have a cup of coffee, and, you know, have a meal. I also put in parentheses, I'll pay. And um, so I immediately got a, an email back. And he said, yeah, I was kind of disappointed at the way it ended, too. And, yeah, I'd love to meet with you. And we sat down. We, uh, the Lord's played in Florida. He was, living, he was staying in Florida for the winter. And we went to a diner, <laughs> just a regular diner. And this was right before COVID hit. So we went to a diner. And we just talked about uh, who's who's passed away that we know, who's sick that we know, uh, our children, the older ones. You know, like I have a four-year-old now. Yeah. He has two kids. One one is like three and the other one's six, you know. So we talked about what it's like being an older father with young children, stuff like that. Nothing about what uh, had happened. It was like there was a bridge that was being built over these troubled waters that we had all these years. Mm -hmm. You know, and for myself... Every time I knocked him in, a, in, a re, in an interview or something like that and said something about him, I don't know if you know what it's like when you, when, when you really love somebody, but they hurt you so bad, but you still love them and you knock them. And every time you knock them, you go like, ah, that really hurt because I still love this person, you know? So yeah. that's the way I felt. So we got together and we were talking. And uh, at the end of our conversation, I asked him what he was doing. He told me what he wants to do in the future. You know, this is getting really old, this music scene and everything. And he asked me what I was doing. He knew about the Slim Kings. He knew about the Lords on 52nd Street. He was reading all the reviews about us. And I said, you know, I'm also writing a book. And he went, uh-oh. And I said, no, it's good. It's good. It's all good. And in fact, if you'd like to write the forward, 
I'd be happy, you know, if you did that. And he said, I'll write you forward. And then he said, yeah, I'll write you forward. <laughs> you know, <so laughs> like Ralph, Ralph and Ed. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I sent him the, the book uh, when it was um, done. We had a little more work to do on it, editing and stuff. I sent it to him. And he sent it back right away. He said, wow, this is really good. It's better than anything I've ever written. Because, <laughs> you know, he got like a million bucks to do a book. He uh -huh. gave the money back because they didn't like what he wrote. It's really difficult to write books, especially when it's about yourself and about your life. You really need somebody to help write that. Who was who the person that helped you with the book? Well, I did all the writing myself, um, basically. Uh, I had a friend... Uh, 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 Dr. Simon Mills, who's written children's books and, and he's oh, helped the governor and stuff like that. And he kind of put it in order. Right. Chapters in order. Yes. That, that was the hardest part. And then when I got with uh, Hudson Music, the, the publishers, they had an editor come in and he checked everything, everything. Yeah. I also, uh, I don't know if we ever spoke about this, but I also have a life coach and she's gotten me off the ledge a million times, you know, and, um, she read uh, the book before it came out, and she guided me on things that I said that I probably shouldn't have said it that way. I should say it this way. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I said, uh, when the trade towers fell and, and we went down to see them, like uh, eight days later, we were in there with the construction workers and everything, me and Billy, after that uh, tribute to the whatever it was that we played on TV to raise money for the people in the trade towers. I said that, I felt like I, what, a, what a rape victim feels. And she said, you know, you could offend women by saying that because, you know, men really don't get you're, said, you're not going to, you're never going to know how someone like that feels. Exactly. It's impossible. Exactly. Yeah. So you, you say, I, I felt compromised at the time, you know, uh, right. like that kind of thing. Oh, victimized. You yeah, victimized. victimized. Like you, yeah. yeah, I can relate to that, as you know, with the, the murder of my mother of course was, you know, of course i still you know to this day yeah. it, it, every day it affects you so there's certain things that no matter how hard you try it will affect you but here's what i learned even with that situation by hating the person that did it it wasn't hurting him at all it was only right. hurting me more now like you in my radio career i've been really screwed over by some people and i'm not re ready to let it go at this point because I think that I've got work to do on my side and some people have to also maybe discover what the problem is on their own. Right. Because me pointing it out is not going to, not going to help here. And you know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, but even then, eventually I think that'll smooth itself over. I just hope it doesn't take, you know, 20 or 30 years for that to happen. I, right. I hope it would be much sooner. So, um, you know, and, and you probably firsthand in, in your relationship with Billy and the book, did you kind of at one point go to yourself, what the hell, why did I wait so long to do this? I did at one point because when I wrote him and I said, you know, I, I, I would like to get this settled before I die. So when he wrote back, he said, well, I hope you're not going anywhere too soon, you know. <laughs> well, sense of humor with it. You know, yeah. so so it was like we both felt the same way about what happened. We had made such beautiful music together and had a great career together. And it was a shame that that we just you know, like he knows 
when he does something that he probably shouldn't have done. And the way I wrote the book was I put myself in Billy's shoes sometimes. Like he's had a career that's lasted, what, 40, almost 50, 50 years, years now? Yeah. yeah. And you have to do certain things to, to do it. Sometimes the way he did it wasn't right. But I understand why he did it because change is constant in this business oh, anyway. Yeah, for sure. You know, but, you know, and um, so when I thought about what happened to me and him, I thought like, okay, so he did it. But my life right now is better than it was when I was playing with him. You know, yeah, it was a shock at the beginning because the bubble was burst, that Billy Joel bubble that you live in. But I was able to survive outside the bubble. Which you know? makes, you, makes you a better person. You're not exactly. dependent on the other person. That codependency is also a dangerous thing. Exactly. Where you start to say, oh, without him, I can't possibly be successful. That's not good. That's not a good, healthy way of looking at things. Right. Well, one right. of the guys, when I, when I called people and said, what should I do? What am I going to do? The, the best advice I got was from one of the guys that worked for Sabian Symbols. And he said, the first thing you have to do is stop saying that you were formerly Billy Joel's drummer, that you... Uh, you know, you you were, were Billy Joel's drummer, uh, you know, stuff like that. He says, no, you know who you are? You're the guy that Billy Joel chose to make those incredible hit records and those amazing tours. That's who you are. You're yeah. that guy. So, so it's sort of like once a Yankee, always a Yankee. Once a giant, always a giant. You're Liberty DeVito's, uh, you're uh, El uh, Elvis Presley's drummer. No, I am Elvis you're Presley's Billy, drummer. Billy, Billy Joel's drummer. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you are... When I talk about the drums to other drummers, you're always on the list of drummers they want to be like or their favorite drummers. So, you know, it trans transcends much more than you even realize. Uh, you as, as Liberty DeVito, it's transcended many different directions. Well, you know, one of the best things about uh, uh, reconciling with him again is, is like for years I lived under his shadow. You know, it was, it was him, and I was holding on to his coattails as we were going along, and it was like, no, I'm not good. He's good, you know. But now that the, the thing has happened, and like what you just said, now I realize, like, people were watching me, too, not yeah, just him. for sure. You know? Where, I, where, where I, did we start the interview where I was going through his song and asking you how he came up with the idea for the drums because the drums really made it. But you were, right. able, you were able to be part of the song without taking over the song um, Rod Stewart used to go to Carmine Apiece. He'd turn around and go, too much fillings in the teeth. In other words, <laughs> you, gotta, you, gotta, much, yeah. Yeah, you, you have to like lay off a little bit. And he taught Carmine. So I was like, ah, yeah, noted well. So, uh, you know, it, it's really an amazing thing as we progress and we learn our craft, how we can grow and just know the right touch. Uh, let's just talk about Scott Meany for a second. Yeah. He didn't have these very once in a while he would he would have an interview or talk a little extra than normal, what I called his circle, where we talk about rainstorms, but he'd do it such such a, a circle. He'd end up where he started from, and I thought that was brilliant. But he would just go, Q1043, the Beatles. And that's all he would have to say. That's it. And and people were like, Man, that's just brilliant. This guy's amazing. So, you know, I, I learned from from guy like Scott that you don't have to really take over you no. your presence can be really strong with being slight so to speak 
Yeah, well, he was uh, one of the one of the best. I mean, yeah. come on, he and, get and better than got, that. You got you got the fill in for him. Remember that? I, that's that when way, we first met. That that's was when I met awesome. you. Yes. I can't believe it. I'm filling I, in for Scott. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. So I think Maria was, or you mentioned it on the on the radio that somebody had called in and goes, I'm not going to do a DJ. I'm not, you know. And I said, well, I'll do it. How do I do it? You know, and yeah, you said, yeah, come, come on come down. Come on in. Yeah. And then it, it grew from there. Now, um, back to the music and back to Billy Joel. After COVID-19, and hmm. I'll just ask you this. Are there any plans for you to, for you and Billy to rejoin and do some, you know, one-offs or, you know, a couple of shows together? Zach, I, everybody asked me that, you know, um, at the, at the end of the book, I, I, people always ask me, what would you do if you saw Billy again? I said, I would walk up to him and give him a hug, tell him I love him. So at the end, when I, when we finally parted ways, uh, when he had to get on his motorcycle and leave that little <laughs> meal that we had, his motorcycle. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I, I got back to my room and I write in the book, I said, I realized that we didn't shake hands at all when, when we met for that one moment there, uh, to reconcile. And when we first met, he got off his motorcycle and we hugged like, hi, how are you? You know? Mm-hmm. And, um, then when he parted, uh, I gave him another hug. I said in his ear, I love you. And I kissed him on the cheek. And then he looked at me and he said, I love you too, Lib. And that was the way we parted. We never shook hands. Like, you know, like guys would shake hands. while you're doing? You know, because you're, you're, you're kind of like doing this standoff thing. Like, uh, I don't know what's going to happen here. You know, this was like, we knew what was going to happen. This is going to be the greatest thing, you know? So, um, yeah, it, it was just wonderful. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, it could happen. I look, I put myself in the in the shoes of Billy Joel, and he said he's getting tired of you know the Madison Square Garden stand. Remember, there's like a hundred thousand of them. Yeah. At one point, if I was Billy, I'd be like, you know, I I just want to do a couple shows at my original band. I want to bring them all back, and I just want to have fun with who's ever remaining, and just like like throw a party, and maybe that'll be the last show, and then that's it, and then maybe you know couple of projects down the road or maybe we'll all decide to help some of the younger ones and produce their albums whatever it might be but well you I know it's, it's always it's always there it's yeah. there now that it could happen it's just yeah. a matter of you know i mean there's still some people that wronged me when the whole thing went down with, between me and billy that i wouldn't i i don't know if i could look at them when i see them if, you, we, you know if i did go to the garden i'll, I'll make a deal with you if you can overlook that then I can overlook a few of the things that happened to me along the way. And if I was ever asked for to come back for a Q1043 reunion, I would do it without any uh, without any yeah. hesitation. How's that? All right. All right. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> now, <laughs> let's talk about Slim Kings. I think okay. that this is a fantastic effing band. Just as soon as I heard it, it was like, you know what? No matter what I'm doing, new HD, new HD on my syndicated show, I'm playing you guys. And I think I, I've got all your albums. You got three or four. Three, I don't know. I, three, I lost yeah. count. Yeah. yeah. Three. Yeah. Um, tell us about the makeup of that band. Who well, some of the characters are. Okay. The reason the cool cats, the reason for the, um, the slim Kings was because, uh, uh Michael Sackler the singer guitar player in the band, Thank and you. he writes mo- all of the lyrics mostly. And, um, he had seen me play. The first concert he ever been to was a Billy Joel concert on Long Island. Wow, how about <laughs> he that? Saw me play. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, the, 
problem that I have with guys that have had success like myself, once they leave the original bands that they were with and they start a new band because they want their career to keep going, that band usually sounds like the band they just left. They become classic rock. They're still playing classic rock. I played classic rock with Billy. We, we are classic rock, you know? So I um, didn't want to have a classic rock band. I wanted something fresh and new. So with Michael and Andy Astanasio, who plays bass, they have the young, they're, they're in their 30s, early 30s. Mm-hmm. So they have the young sound. They, they know what's going on in the, in the young world, where I'm the old school guy. And the thing that connects us the most is that they'll come up to me and they'll, they'll play a hip hop song and they'll say, we want to write a song around a beat like this. And I'll go, that's a Motown beat. They sampled Motown. Okay, you know? yeah. So it's okay. like all those old beats are new again. You know, so I play those old beats and, and they, they come up and Michael writes lyrics that are current today. You know, I mean, uh, we had a song called Greed that really pissed off a lot of people because it was about politicians and being greedy. You oh. know, you know, Greed. You, of course. Yes. And politicians are the greediest bastards going, but they all right. pretend like they're not. That's You're the right. hypocrisy of it all. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Now you so, got me aggravated. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, so they, they keep me current, you know, the Slim Kings. Because of the pandemic, we haven't had an opportunity to play. I mean, we, we did a, a, a virtual from Daryl's house. We did a concert like that, which was well-received, you know, because they're around the world. And um, we are playing May 1st in Connecticut, somewhere in Connecticut, uh, doing an outdoor show. That's but, good. Yeah, in parking lots. So things are going to start again. The, the Lords, um, we've got some dates booked in Florida. You know, the summer's coming, so we can do outdoor shows again. Right. Yeah, that's you cool. Know. But the Slim Kings, yeah, the Slim Kings, it's a bad time to have an original band these days because the business is so bad. Well, you, you know what, though? I, I, As you know, I've been working really hard to change that. And yeah. I went out and I did, basically, I'm on my solo career. So whatever I did for any other radio stations... Uh, forget it i'm just doing my and i'm i've been hanging out with younger people much like you and i understand that the traditional way of listening to the radio is not happening anymore people are not listening they're not going they're not even driving in around in their cars anymore so they're not listening like we did putting on the little radio and tuning into whatever station they're listening on their handheld device now i've seen the data it's true one station i know averages nine thousand listeners per hour that's amazing. That's the minimum that they'll do. So we've created the whole model based on stream, came up with the apps, the new HD app, the new HD LA app, the LA radio station. Boy, that really kicks. Yeah. New HD is based on 1027 WNEW or Rock Libs. It's a homage to Scott Meany. That's what it is. But musically, it's a playground for the artist because I don't think that the current model is working. Streaming is not working. You know, uh, you can get a million downloads and you're not making any money. And these radio companies are not helping people. They're not helping the artists. They're not even serving the community. So I just decided to do my own solo career, if you want to call it that, and use my brain and get the available technology, low cost, high tech, put it all together, which will give the Slum Kings and various other um, uh, bands and artists the opportunity to showcase because 
Having it out there available for download on iTunes is wonderful. Having it on Spotify is great. But having it on a radio station of any type that's where the disc jockey is talking about it right. and interviewing you, that is the big difference. So we're making dreams possible. And, and I think that you and I pretty much are thinking the same thing. It's these younger people that are going to keep us, you know, going really now, you know, you're never going to be able to retire much like anybody in the Rolling Stones because you got a little one who's four. Right. <laughs> um, it's a beautiful little girl. Uh, I've seen some of the posts on Facebook. You're enjoying being a dad and there's yes. nothing better. And I realized before I, we got on, you're a dad, you're uh, a brother, you're, uh, I guess, an uncle, right? You're, you're, you're uh, husband. I mean, all of these different things. You got talented children, your daughters. I, what I think is really funny is like, you know, when we talk, we're like, so what, what's live up to? Well, you know, it's just hanging out in Brooklyn. How are his kids? I don't know what they're doing. And then the next thing you know, oh yeah, that I think one's an actress. Yeah. These are the conversations we have. We have no idea what the kids are doing. We just, our only concern is, are they healthy? Right. Right. You know, like how are they doing? Did they need any help from us? Okay. That's about it. You know, right. we, we, whatever they choose to do, you know, we'll, we'll support them. So, exactly. uh, you know, that's, that's great, man. You're, you're having a good time and it's nice to see you. Um, so Slim Kings, watch out for that. Great album. You got three. You guys are going to probably come out with another one. I know that Michael has a studio in the area, right? He's got a studio in his house now. In his house now. All right. Well, yeah, that's what we're all doing here. Yeah. Um, well, you know, that's a great thing about the pandemic is like, this is amazing how we can do an interview like this. Well, yeah, I was thinking about that too. It used to be you and I used to have to do this incredible coordination to try to get to talk and do interviews. Right. And now we, we don't have to go anywhere. Now, now, you know, really, there's no excuses for any of the artists not to do interviews. Right. right? And it's great because you can hit so many. You can do so many. Right in, in a row. Yeah. You don't have to travel anywhere. You don't have just, to tra and and the, thing, the thing is, here's, here's the, the bottom line to make all of this stuff I'm talking about work, to make it work. We have to all work together. And that means being active on social media to let everybody know to promote get people to download to you know just give us a listen that's all we ask uh, whether it's slim kings or you know whatever we got going on i mean off the top of my head um let me think of some of the uh, young artists oh there's a, a band called trope they do a cover of tears of fears shout lib i actually get goosebumps from that great. song you know it's great like um like that and the 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 band Disturbed that did yes. Sounds of Silence, they are taking, like Paul Simon, when he sings Sounds of Silence, Simon and Garfunkel singing it, it sounds like they're in, a, in an alleyway singing, watching what's going on. And Shout is kind of like that. Yeah, we're, we're listening and I'm talking to one person. This is like, this girl is telling the world now, this is how we feel. Shout, you know, we're going to shout. Just like Disturbed was like, this is how it feels now, Sounds of Silence. It's like, don't be silent anymore. This is ridiculous, you know? It's, yeah. It really takes on another level the way they do these. They they did what I consider the Jimi Hendrix to Bob Dylan, all along the Watchtower. Exactly. Which to, I didn't realize when I was a kid that that was written and first recorded by Bob Dylan. Jimmy made it his own. So that becomes the default version that I remember and I truly love. 
Right. They did the same thing with this, and it's a masterpiece the way they did with the vocals and really took unexpected twists and, let's just say, liberty with the uh, the sound of it. I mean, they really made something. They did also the same thing that Led Zeppelin did with blues. Right. They just went woof and made it into something spectacular. I love this kind of stuff. So that's what we're all about. We're about helping the artist really showcase their talents. Yeah. But here's the here's the 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 quid pro quo. Everybody's familiar with quid pro quo now, even though I'm a Latin scholar. Um, it, in order to have this all work, we mm. all have to do our job. In other words, I promote you, you promote me. You know, yeah. you got to make sure that you tell my story, I tell your story. Together, that's how we make a difference. Because, listen, you're not going to get help from these labels anymore. This no. is not how how it goes. Spotify or any of these streaming services are not going to give you much money. So it's not how it goes. The only way that you're going to actually survive or make a living is by recording, gigging, and merchandise. And yeah. you just got to do it all. And you can live a great life because you're you're doing what you enjoy to do. Yeah. You know, I just um, did the audio book. I went over to Richard Cunata's studio and did the audio book. And it's... <laughs> That's Let me tell great. you something. That's fantastic. You, if you want to do a, a labor of love, oh my, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. I had to read the book myself. Yeah. Oh my God. That's people don't realize. I wrote that book, What Happened to My Mom, Death right. Angel. I think you have a copy, maybe. I don't know. But I could not read it after I got done with it. I don't ever want to read it. And when no. people go, Can I buy it? I'm like, Please don't. It's just, just it, I, but it had to get out. There was a reason why I did it. Yeah, yeah, you, you, yes, you, you purge. We, like this, this is a purge for me. You know, it's like, okay, this is what it was like when I was a kid. It's not like Star Search and, and American Idol. No, it's not. This is what it's like, you know. And, and the book did very well, right? I mean, yeah. you got, I, I mean, I, I could have sworn that you were already into your second printing at one point. I was following you online. I couldn't believe what, like, that is hard to do. It's hard to sell books. People have oh, no idea. Really hard. And in a pandemic, I couldn't go and tour you couldn't and promote it. No, not at all. Appearances and stuff. But now with the um, with the um, uh, audio book coming out, it's on Audible, and so I'll be able to like do a re. Whatever. Yeah. See, that's great because hearing it in the author's voice is something that's really special. Yeah, and I got you know? Billy did the forward. Now, if you got Billy to read the forward, he did. Oh, he did. So he did it on the audio for you. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. Well, all right, that's all we'll say about it. That's a. Where, where's it going to be available? In Audible, you have to go. Audible, to, you got to go to Audible. You got it. Yeah. Now we have your website, LibertyDrums.com. I hope that's uh, a good place to contact you. You can get me there. You can get me on Facebook. All, Facebook always is always Facebook. good. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. So it's a good thing that you got the site. Are you doing Twitter? There's Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Yeah, a, little, a little Twitter, right? My, my wife actually does Twitter for me. <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you what. I can handle Twitter, but I, I don't get into Twitter wars with people. I, I don't post stupid stuff on Twitter. All I post is like, here's what we're playing on New HD, or here's you know, a retweet of something really cool. It's always got to be a feel-good. Babies, dogs, cats, funny things, yeah. um, you know, uh, doing good for other people, uh, autism awareness, whatever it might be. That's what I, I focus on. I don't get into the fights like some people. Right. My wife, though, oh, my gosh, she's a champ on uh, on Twitter. I can't even say she... what her – follow Full of Frap. You'll be glad that you did, Full of Frap. You know, I got to tell you, I follow, uh, you know, Jim Gaffigan, the comedian. Yeah, 
Yeah, I follow funny. him on, twi- funny. on Twitter. New HD is a unique media platform giving a means of expression to millions of individuals living on the autistic spectrum as well as other additional needs. Talent meets opportunity on New HD, where the neurodivergent community is given a voice in an environment adapted to their needs. For more information, follow us on Twitter at New HD Radio. Follow BFA on Facebook at Big Fat America. Zach Martin on Twitter at Zach Martin Rocks. And Zach Martin on Instagram. Wait, Zach is on Instagram? I can guarantee he has no clue how to use that. See all the interviews and videos at ZachMartinRocks.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.